Life is an epic journey. Live it unleashed. Hey, fellow journeyers, Jeremy here. Welcome back to the Living Unleashed podcast. You know, life is an epic journey, and we want to live it unleashed because God offers us a passionate life, and it's a life that is defined by hope, filled with joy, marked by peace, and walks in freedom. And that's the life that we want to live. And so each day, we are, as we journey together, we are intentionally shaping our lives that we might experience this life together. And right now in season two of the Living Unleashed podcast, we are journeying with Luke as we go through the book of Luke and Acts. Uh, This is our final week in the book of Luke. We're in the last five chapters. This is going to be a powerful week because we are heading into Jerusalem and the crucifixion and Jesus's defeat of the grave and his resurrection. So it's going to be a powerful, powerful week. And I am so glad that you are here to join us for the journey. You know, this journey is best experienced in community, and that's why I'm so glad you're joining us for the podcast, because this creates a community as we read together, listen together, and discuss together. I hope you're sharing this podcast with others. Invite them along. It's a great way to be able to say, hey, I'm reading this, uh, and I'm listening to this podcast along the way. I'd invite you to do that, and then maybe we can talk about it. Maybe even listen to the podcast together and then discuss what you hear and what you have read in the scripture, and it's just an awesome way uh, to be able to share this journey because it's meant to be shared with others. So I invite you to do that. Uh, Let's jump right in. Today we are on Luke chapter 20. Now, Luke chapter 20 has some conflict. As we've noticed, um, progressing towards Jerusalem, towards the cross, there has been more and more conflict that has arisen between Jesus and the leaders of the day. Now, I want to talk a minute about these leaders. If you're familiar with Scripture and you're familiar with uh, the narratives of the gospel, it is easy to have this picture of the, the priests and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these religious leaders. It's easy to get a picture of them as kind of evil. They're cunning, you know, and they, they're kind of standing over in the dark corners, wringing their hands with some sort of evil, diabolical, mad scientist kind of laugh. But that's not really who these people were. These were the respected folks of the day. These were the folks that, by all accounts, by, from outside eyes, had their lives together. They were doing everything right. They were living life the way life ought to be lived in following God um, in the first century as a good Jew. And, and they, they, were, they, were, they were doing it good. Um, you know, they didn't go out and murder. They didn't go out and, um, co- um, you know, covet and steal their neighbor's wife. And, and they, they didn't um, cheat people, although in ways they did. And Jesus kind of points that out. But that's not the way the people would have seen them, you see. Okay. And so here in this, we have to look at this conflict and realize and recognize that these were the good religious people of the day that this conflict is developing around. Now, the conflict centers over two things. In the, it, the opening of the chapter and the ending of the chapter, the opening of the chapter, 
the leaders and leading priests and teachers of the law are challenging what Jesus's authority is. Where do you get your authority from? Now, why did they want to challenge his authority? Well, they wanted to challenge his authority because they didn't like his message. You see, Jesus had came, um, sent from God as the Messiah, and that's he, he matched up to a lot of the scriptures. It, you have to think that they saw that. They could see that coming, but they didn't like his message. He, they were not, he was not fulfilling the role of the Christ, the Messiah, the sent one from God, uh, the way they thought the Messiah ought to be. And, and because the way they had it pictured, it was going to, when the Messiah came, he would elevate them. He would um, praise them. They were going to be all that and just awesome. But instead, as the Messiah came, he challenged them. He questioned them. He, uh, uh, he, he, he was messing with their traditions and with the way they think things ought to be. So that at the end of the chapter, then, there's a question about kind of wrangling over who is the Messiah and some of the details about who the Messiah is and the Christ. And so we have this challenge of Jesus's authority and his identity. And as they try to trap Jesus, uh, with their questions about tax authority and taxes and the resurrection and the like throughout this chapter, what we begin to see is that where they're having difficulty is that they had a conception of God and they had something backwards. Instead of understanding that they had been made in the image of God, they were making God in their image. And there's a, that's a radically different thing. So what does it mean when we've made God into our image? That means that we've come to a notion of how things ought to be. Oftentimes, it's something we picked up along the way. Um, and maybe it's something we learned at church or uh, something that we uh, learned from a speaker or Sunday school or what have you. And and it affirms who we are, or it affirms our way of thinking. It affirms the way we want to do things. But it doesn't necessarily re- accurately reflect what Jesus' words were. It doesn't necessarily accurately reflect what God um, is doing as we read Scripture and we listen to its testimony. And, and so we start to shape Jesus. We start to shape um, our traditions into what we think they ought to be, what God ought to be, and instead of just letting Jesus shape us, submitting our lives to him and simply doing what he said. And that's what has come time and time again throughout the gospel, is that salvation comes when we submit to Christ and we live in his kingdom. We're, we're living the way he's called us to. Yes, it is grace. We can't get it on our own. Yes, it's something that Jesus died uh, to open up to us. But yes, you cannot deny, as, you've, as we've read through, that there are expectations of the choices we make and how we live and that fully living into this new life uh, that God has for us comes as we trust him, as we act in his kingdom ways, and he can unleash his kingdom power into us, all right? And so the, the, what's happening here with all these religious leaders is they're struggling with who Jesus is. 
because he, he, he's challenging who they are. And see, when Jesus starts challenging who we are, we start to try to remake him. So that, that, that is so tempting for us to do as human beings, and it happens all the time. It happens all the time, uh, where we just don't let Jesus speak for Jesus. And that's why one of the reasons it's so important for us to spend time reading God's Word, truly reflecting on it, asking the Holy Spirit to come in and open our eyes, and taking this kind of a journey, because we see we are intentionally shaping our lives, because we're going back to the Scripture, and we're inviting Jesus to shape us. We're inviting Jesus to reveal who He is. We don't want to be like those religious leaders. We don't want to fall into to, um, um, dead religiosity. We want to be alive, and we are alive when we discover who Jesus is and what He's calling us to, and then we do it, and we say yes, and we affirm that, and we just life just explodes with kingdom potential. Life just explodes with kingdom power, and life just explodes with hope and joy and peace and freedom. So this is a real conflicting passage because the religious leaders enter into conflict with Jesus because he's challenging who they are. So they, in turn, try to turn the tables to challenge who he is, but that never works with God. As we're reading through this, maybe God has been challenging you with who you are and how you've perceived him. Maybe you need to just allow the Holy Spirit to work in you to say, no, this is who you are, Jesus, and I want to follow you. I want to live into the reality of your kingdom, and I want to uh, just uh, really um, just open my life uh to, to your kingdom wonder. Oh, it just, it's just such an awesome thing. And, and so we have to allow that to happen. We have to allow that to happen. And see, that means we don't go to Scripture and try to find the little bits and pieces that reaffirm us, who we are, what we want to do, how we want to act, what we think, our worldviews. Instead, we go to and say, Jesus, teach me. Show me. I submit to your authority. I acknowledge you have full authority. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I submit that you are the sent one from God, the Messiah, God's only Son. And so I give you full authority and reign over my life. And I'm just going to follow you and listen to you. What a wonderful way to start the week. And we have to get with this wrestling here in Luke chapter 20 because we're about to follow Jesus to the cross. And you don't do that unless... You fully acknowledge his authority in your life, that he is the Messiah, God's Christ, the sent one, the one that's come, the one and only Son of God. And so I hope you uh, have an awesome day. Uh, Continue to wrestle with this passage. And as you give Jesus more and more of the control of your life as you submit to him, may you keep on living unleashed. Unleashed.